Hey, what up? This is Gino Ray here to bring you another episode of Native As I Can Be, which will now have the subtitle, I guess you can call it, of Between Two Cultures. Uh, So I will have to update the graphics, or more accurately have my sister update the graphics to uh, stay current. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody who listened to the first episode. Um, Oh, by the way, if you hear any kind of weird noise, background noise, uh, that's because I am currently driving down the street in the company van while I record this because uh just seemed like a good time to to do it so but it may sound a little funky and if it does then just you know move on with your life and i think um i think you're gonna hear a lot less sniffing this way if you noticed i'm sure you noticed the first episode a lot of sniffing going on when i was talking and that had nothing to do with having a cold or an allergy attack It was just more of a nervous habit, I think. No, I know. So, a lot of sniffing. And then when I was younger, when I was uh, nervous around people, I would yawn. Like, I was trying to play it cool, and I would yawn. uh, You know, like, I'm so bored or whatever. And um, yawning over and over again. So, uh, hoping to avoid that this episode. But, uh, yes, thank you very much for listening to the first episode. Um those of you that uh you know shared it to your timelines and things like that that's really cool um i'm really uh really excited about this project and where it's going to go because i got a lot of ideas uh bubbling and uh this week's episode will be um very interesting i believe i am going to be discussing the in native culture not every tribe but a lot of tribes they have what they call two-spirit people which are people that uh, can kind of view the world through male and female eyes and i think probably the the term that closely represents two-spirit people is maybe trans but transgender but i don't the two spare people can kind of go back and forth you know it's not like they are uh, a man trapped in a woman's body or the other way around they they kind of see it through both eyes and um and so i think that's probably the difference um so we're going to be talking about two spare people and we are going to be talking about this case in Idaho of the trans inmate or two-spirit inmate. I'm not sure how she would uh, categorize herself. Uh, but she is in Idaho prison. And she successfully sued the state of Idaho or the state of Idaho's justice system, prison system, to get gender reassignment surgery and uh she won her first you know case and went to appeals at the circuit court level won that appeal so the next step would be the idaho supreme court uh if the lawyers decide to appeal again but it's a big deal and what it means is is that the state of idaho or the state of idaho prison system is going to be financially responsible for her gender reassignment surgery because the judge ruled that her identifying as female but locking her up with men is considered cruel and unusual punishment so i mean that's a i mean that's a a very um not a premise that you hear about often as far as a court case goes but i I think that's an interesting thing to look at i'm not going to get into super uh you know too deep into what she did uh to to land in jail which was a sexual assault you know by the way she was 22 and had 
you know, whatever happened in the in the boy that was involved was 15. So that part, I mean, is sketchy. And then uh, I'm sure I think most of the a lot of the people in Idaho following the case disagree with the surgery based on her crime um, as she is a sex offender Uh, but I'm not really going to worry I'm not really going to get into that that's not really the point of the conversation so uh, so that will be the second part of the podcast and third I will be talking with my cousin Garrick or he might be actually involved throughout all these conversations but we're going to be talking about uh, Darcel 15, which is who is a, uh, a person recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's oldest drag queen. And she's from right here in beautiful Portland, Oregon. Uh, and she does a big event at the convention center every year, which my cousin Garrick volunteers at to help set up and. Uh, you know, he, he comes up from Klamath Falls every year to do that. So he will actually be up this weekend this uh, to help out with that. But I would like to talk to him about that whole scene uh, and get his opinion about the inmate and just about two-spirit people in general. He's a social worker. He's worked for the Klamath Tribe. He's work, He's been on tribal council. He's got a master's degree from Portland State. Super smart guy. Very chill. Um, and uh, he knows his shit. So um, it'll be interesting to talk to him. So that's a breakdown of this week's episode. So let's get right into it. Okay, uh, we're sitting here with my cousin Garrick, sitting in the backyard with my very sophisticated recording studio. Um, for the record, since we are in the backyard, you may hear airplanes and chipmunks and whatever other stuff flying by. Uh, we're in the backyard because Laura and the baby and McCunny are all home today, so getting uh, it's probably less noisy out here than it is inside the house, but... Um, so yeah, so sitting here with Garrick, and Garrick, why don't you tell us a little bit about your educational history and where you grew up and what you what you do now? Hey, good morning. So, uh, uh, educational history. I grew up in Klamath Falls, Oregon, and I'm happy to say I'm a product of Oregon public school system. Uh, grade school junior high school, high school there in Klamath Falls, and then it went on to college at Oregon Institute of Technology, and from there to Southern Oregon State College, when it used to be called that, and I got a bachelor degree in psychology with a minor in native studies, and then from there I went to graduate school of social work at Portland State University uh, up here in Portland. And graduated from there in 1997 and been working as a social worker and work with kids, families, adults, do all kind of things, some, you know, in, in that realm, I guess. We found out a fun fact yesterday. This is uh, that Garrick and my girlfriend Laura did the same internship Wait, where was that? Oh, at Oregon Health Sciences University, CDRC, Child Development and Rehabilitation Center. Yeah, so for, yeah, for those who don't know, my girlfriend is a social worker also, works in maternity and delivery, but yeah, just a weird random thing that they did the exact same internship uh, several years apart, but... Um, yeah, uh, so I was just giving Cousin Gino here a, a raft of crap the other day about how... <laughs> How did you end up surrounded with social workers? What did you do wrong in your yeah. last life? Man? Well, <laughs> I think uh, you have a, I, I think you have a tendency to draw what you maybe need in life, you know, with your energy. So I, hmm. I, I think if the, I think if uh, the great spirit 
thought I needed someone to work me over socially, maybe that was the case. But <clears throat> well, that's funny too. You know, I always joke about needing a, my own social worker myself. <laughs> like oh. someone, I need someone to run my life. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Okay, well, what we're here talking about today is uh, two-spirit people. And uh, in Native culture, uh, it's a pretty new term from what I did. Uh, The research I uncovered uh, came around in 1990 in Winnipeg, Canada. But what it is is uh, Native people that uh, are sort of, I think today, maybe you would call them gender-fluid uh, or maybe trans, um, but basically they kind of see the world through male and female eyes and can kind of, uh, I don't know if you would say switch back and forth, but they they are able to sort of uh, live in both of those worlds. And I, I think for the most part, within the tribal communities, you know, that's not a shameful thing a shameful uh identity to have i think they're kind of revered what what do you know about them well yeah traditionally uh particularly from where we came from with the klamath tribes um and the modoc and and some of the the paiute indians from around where where i grew up the the people that were you know today known as gay or transgender or or fluid and questioning and you know there's a lot of of uh letters that go with the acronyms um but but they were considered people that that had different perspectives on on life from where they came because and twin spirited mean meaning that they they had more of a perspective than someone who was just traditionally uh heterosexual so um and I, I believe that the reason that that they were to be uh, thought of as having uh, extra spiritual senses is because of who they were. So, so if the creator created somebody, and they created them with more of a perspective on life than than you had, then they had uh, something extra to offer, and so therefore they were respected. Yeah, and I and I saw, um, you know, that they could hold different positions within the tribe. Like they might be the tribe's, you know, quote unquote medicine man or shaman or, um, but they yeah they definitely had a position of esteem, for the reasons you're saying that they they had maybe a better uh, a more rounded view than someone who was just male or just female. Um, I was reading, and I think this applies in modern day to trans people as well, that a two-spirit person in the tribe may be gay, but they weren't necessarily gay. Nor is a gay person in a tribe necessarily considered a two-spirit person. So there's some difference there, and I've heard sort of the same things about trans people, uh, transgendered people. So that's kind of an interesting... um, uh, little factoid, I guess you could call it. Yeah, you know, and uh, just bringing that up, um, you know, if, if you know, it kind of translates to, to modern culture. You know, you hear the the phrase in in church, you know, God d- doesn't make junk, so and God made me, so therefore, if if God or the Creator made folks that that were different, then you know, apparently, according to the traditional times, didn't make a mistake in creating them either. Right. Um, so, in your social work, and I'm going to pull this, this is an article from Indian Country Today. Uh, Two-spirit people face compounded traumas on top of intergenerational trauma. Um it says, imagine going from a nation where you're a celebrated two-spirit individual to a boarding school when you're assigned your gender with any pushback about it being beat out of you. So have you encountered anything like this? And obviously you're not going to name names, but uh, 
have you encountered any anything like this in your social work career um, with with a two spirit person uh, trying to get by in a in a white culture or even in their own culture and just having having big time problems with that? Actually, yeah. So um, I've encountered you know both family members and clients that have you know dealt with their own identity as far as being native people uh the the i guess the the effects of that that still remain from uh, generations of being colonized and then throw in the the needing to adapt to and fit into our society being gay or otherwise um yeah so if you if you talk about a minority and then a minority within a minority, or just marginalized, just you know, right. I guess the the correct term for it, and it really is marginalized. So, um, you know, and it's not just native people. There's there's minorities of all kinds. But when you deal with the the after effects of being traumatized throughout generations, you're talking about, you know, you know, post colonial trauma. Uh, for black folks, you know, post-slave trauma, that's um, it's it actually is a real thing that that people are still recovering from. Uh, one of the so this podcast obviously is called Native as I Can Be, and I just recently added the tagline uh, between two cultures. And as I was coming up with this idea, I thought that that applied, and to not just native people and like you were saying like african americans or trans people or if you're an immigrant from anywhere and you're trying to you know maintain your identity as far as who you are but you have to tweak it to fit into where you are and um and i think that's easy to overlook uh and it's more challenging i think than maybe people from here realize Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oppression runs far and deep, you know, so it, up to and including people that are oppressed, assuming that as their identity. And how do you, how do you unoppress yourself from assuming an identity of being oppressed? I right. mean, that's, that's a nasty circle to get in. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, and I think, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Well, from that, and here's what uh, that same article, this is kind of the definition they have. Two-spirit people have both a male and female spirit within them, and they are blessed by the creator, creator to see life through the eyes of both genders. Um. This is interesting too, though. Um, it goes on to say, two spirit is a term only appropriate for Native people. It is a role that existed in Native American, First Nation, Indigenous tribes for gender queer, gender fluid, and gender non conforming tribal members. If you don't have a tribe, you, cl- you can't claim that role. Which when I first read that, I was like, well, what's the big deal? But I, I think what I, I think I kind of understand it now is this is ours. This is our term. This is our people. You can't have this too. Mm-hmm. You guys have your own terminology. Two spirit is ours. What do you think about that? Well, you got to hang on to something that is part of you and part of where you come from. So people that are two spirited that have influenced or been part of our historical or traditional background they uh they have influenced us in ways that we still have yet to know and so so yeah if it's ours it's ours because it's part of us and part of us is bigger than who we are and that's why you say okay it's ours you can't take it because it's not ours to offer or give away yeah it's that's that's kind of how large it is well we're gonna go on to something um this just happened in idaho recently 
uh, we're not sure about the pronunciation, but her name is Adri Edmo. She is a she's a woman currently incarcerated in Idaho uh, for sexual assault. She was 22 years old, convicted of sexually abusing a 15-year-old boy. We're not really going to talk about that much. That's not really the point of this uh, portion. But uh, she was born Mason Dean Edmo and is diagnosed with gender dysphoria, which can cause a person severe distress stemming from being born in a body that does not match their gender identity. She is from the Shoshone-Bannock tribes there on the Fort Hall uh, Indian Reservation. The reason I brought her up and brought her into this conversation is because she successfully sued the state of Idaho to get the Idaho Department of Corrections to uh, pay and uh, facilitate her getting uh, gender reassignment surgery. Um, she won. She won it. Won the case at the lower court. It was appealed, and it went up to uh, the next highest court, whatever that is. I have it here somewhere. And she won. She won that. So basically, the state of Idaho is now going to have to pay for her gender reassignment surgery. Uh, I, I suppose there's still the Supreme Court to appeal to, and I haven't heard if that's going to happen. I, I assume it probably will be, but pretty big, um, pretty big ruling, don't you think? Pretty big court decision, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's a pretty big ruling in terms of, of an incarcerated person, you know, um, being supported in terms of, of, hey, this is part of their identity. Uh, and now, uh, as a result of, of the Idaho prison system, I guess, assuming responsibility for the custody of that person now being forced to handle the, the, I don't know what do you call it. Not just the medical expenses, but the the assisting them with their identity as an assignment that they don't want to accept. The ruling is that uh, essentially her being housed with male inmates and having this gender uh, dysmorphia is tantamount to cruel and unusual punishment therefore violating her constitutional rights um she has on a couple different occasions attempted uh self-castration um i mean obviously this isn't i don't think this is someone just playing around i mean i i don't know if i don't know if you can rank cases of uh gender dysphoria as far as a mild case, a medium case, a severe, I don't know if they word it like that, but this seems like a pretty severe case if such a thing exists. Um, but the idea being she will then be transferred to a state prison after this procedure. Um, yeah. Well, from what I understand, and this is based on what people have shared with me that have uh, Undergone or started the undergoings of the procedure for you know changing their gen gender physically, and and the best way they describe it to me is is the wrongness. That's the word that that was used the most. Is is the that not that they were you know just had a, a conflict within themselves as far as gender identity, but they felt wrong in who they were. It, so so the it was that's the word they used wrongness it's the wrongness of what who i was and the the body i was given not fitting who i was at all yeah and so that's i mean i don't know i can't imagine what it's like to be trapped in those situations you know from my perspective you know being able to just live our lives who we are you know being being native and being in in our culture 
and in the modern American culture at this point in time has been pretty a pretty neat thing yeah even despite the the traumatic events and things that that we've all been through to have something still be that wrong and still be alive to suffer through it well no I think uh another um wrinkle to this whole thing is that which makes it far all that much more interesting is that this is happening in Idaho which is still a very Republican kind of old school good old boys kind of state now that's my opinion having lived there for a few years but that that's what I saw so for this to be going down in Idaho uh, I mean that's <laughs> I almost just said that takes a lot of balls to to try and do something right. like so maybe that's not the best way to word it but um I as so far as Adri's yes her commitment to being exactly who so, she is yeah that that takes a lot of chutzpah yes I guess to use another <laughs> cultural yeah. phrase or so the governor of Idaho Brad Little this is what he he is against the surgery he said. We cannot divert critical public dollars away from the higher priorities of keeping the public safe and rehabilitating offenders. The hard-working taxpayers of Idaho should not be forced to pay for a convicted sex offender's gender reassignment surgery when it is contrary to the medical opinions of the treating physician and multiple mental health professionals. Uh, I think, you know... I'm not sure who, what those medical opinions are, or where they, where he got those. I maybe should have researched that a little better. Um, but it seems to be uh, they don't think this should be. He doesn't think this should be happening, obviously. Um, and he, and I think just by throwing in that sex offender, uh, by making sure he includes that in the statement, it automatically puts a, a bad taste in people's mouth when they hear about the surgery and i'm not i'm not defending her or what she did but i think that serves his agenda uh by sticking that in there yeah the the, i mean the crime is itself is uh, it's it's pretty clearly laid out within the law you know you don't you don't offend anybody number one but number two you don't offend those that are that don't have an age that's old enough to consent um so that's i mean that's pretty clear and cut and dried um but as far as 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 you know adri who who is adri you know and and it's easy to say you know and offer criticism or judgment uh on on this person but if you stop and ask well who is Adri? You might start to, you know, maybe try to understand who this person is and be able to identify with some part of their their suffering or, you know, her suffering in terms of where she's been at and where she's at now and what she's trying to accomplish, you know. Uh, does she have does she have the ability through changing who she is physically and matching that up does she have the ability to go on and you know do better things i don't you know that's that remains to be seen and in the in the hope i, I would guess yes you know yeah. the hope that that we as human beings offer each other those opportunities for redemption or other things, you know, that remains to be seen, but I would hope that the answer is yes. But to ask the question, who is Adri? It, it takes it beyond the simple, you know, hey, mm-hmm. this, this is a bad, awful, evil person, and, and uh, you know, religious or conservative uh, views aside, say hey who's this person you know we may have to make it 
more complex of a question than a simple answer of this is a bad person did bad things sure is this a bad worthless person I don't know uh, but yeah to come to the conclusion of of hey this is this is a, a sin and therefore it's wrong I don't know if that's that simple I was trying to uh, <clears throat> pull up some of the comments that people have made about this case because when I when this first came out there was some I, I think the comments have been sanitized is what I'm trying to say because when this case first was reported the the people on Facebook absolutely uh, were shredding it, kind of and, vilifying. Yeah, right. and it was not, and there was it was in no uncertain terms. Like, you know, these, and they're all gone now. None of the, those posts seems, I guess, have been deleted. But I mean, we're talking about stuff like, you know, you know, shoot the dude's balls off with a shotgun. I'll do it. You know, just mean, horrible stuff, and. Uh, but the consensus is in Idaho, most of the people are against it. Um, they say he's an abusive sexual predator and uh, that the Idaho state, uh, the state of Idaho should not have to pay for the, the surgery and it's coming out of taxpayer money. And I don't disagree with all of those things and I don't necessarily agree with all of those things. Um, but it's a ruling and it has to be abided by and until the system is uh, tweaked or revisited I mean that's what has to happen so um, but I think what it does and I think probably the <clears throat> assuming this goes to Supreme Court and the result is the same I really think it kind of opens the door for cases like this all over the place well it's possible but if you look at it maybe from a, a perspective of how many people are entering the system going to actually need a reassignment surgery I think statistically the, the numbers are pretty low um, and granted I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not discounting the 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 weight of the the costs of it or anything like that but if you're if if a, if a prison system is really genuinely designed to offer rehabilitation some of these things might need to be factored in like well now and again we're going to need a reassignment surgery right yeah well uh, and i think yeah if you're looking at prison as what it as it is supposed to be a sort of rehabilitatory it's punishment but i think the the tone at least by what they say is supposed to be a rehabilitative sort of program and if you're talking about i don't know adri's history you know if there's a history of any kind of substance abuse or anything like that <clears throat> if you're talking about a gender reassignment surgery to someone who has having a difficult time living in the body she's in then maybe this could be considered rehabilitative and she can go out to the world without this baggage and uh, maybe be a much more productive member of society that's all kind of speculation obviously but um, I, I don't know it's very it's very complicated yeah, it is, but I mean, the the other approach maybe, and I keep saying this, the the other the other way to look at this, but yeah. <laughs> but I think that's part of the the purpose of your show is to just ask, start asking questions and find out what if there's more answers than just yay or nay on certain things, particularly from a native perspective about issues uh, affecting other natives, and here's Andre in in prison um, you know facing these things uh, uh, but including a future 
So what does the future hold for Andre with with a reassignment surgery? You know, maybe the answer is the she can find more contentment in experiencing what life is like on this plane as a human being uh, with that in mind. Yeah. Um, this is a good, this is a good one. I'm, I'm going to be following this. Uh, okay. I think I would have been followed it, following it anyway, just because of what's at stake. But it being a native woman, that gives me what what do they say a little more skin in the game <laughs> no pun intended yeah okay <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i i um may, maybe down the road we'll have a kind of a follow-up to to see where she's at on this um well leaving these issues unexamined isn't doing anybody a favor uh, you know in, including the people of idaho you know they, this is this is something they are I guess getting to contend with a lot of us have had to contend with a lot of things you know whether we invited them or not and so you know and if you get to contend with something I hope you do it with at least some earnest and honest uh, effort absolutely and I think that's not too much to ask you know more than just hey Here's a solution. Let's just, you know, shoot her. That's right. That's too simple. Well, you know, this is a literary term. I think you know, but every you kind of cube every story. Every story has sort of six sides to it, and I think, uh, I think as a nation, maybe we're getting better at looking at things from all sides, but but maybe not because there's there's horrible shit in the news every single day but uh, I yeah. think uh, I got, got you there I think we ought to uh, move on um, before we get too into the weeds on that one. Oh no let's start let's bring up gun control since there was another <laughs> shooting yesterday yeah no I'm just kidding yeah cousin so Again, I'm sorry about yeah. that but no I'm uh yeah, that's another one for another time. Uh, just, just yeah, just don't do awful, <clears throat> nasty things to fellow human beings for no reason at all. Right. It can't be that hard, is it? I haven't done it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All my damage has been mostly self-inflicted. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sorry I'm laughing, you know, to the folks that are listening, Vic. Because I I just overly identify with that one, yeah. Myself, so yeah. Ditto for that. I think we're gonna have an episode, and I might even see if we can do it in a round table kind of um, format. You know, because we were talking yesterday about just some of the stuff that our family's gone through. Um, you know, like my sister Leslie passing away from an overdose, and her son passing away from an overdose, and. I lost my son when he was little and I mean you've lost your cousin or sorry your brother Raymond and, and mm-hmm. there's just been a lot of a lot of that in this family and uh, a lot of death and loss prematurely for sure yeah and so my aunt Jamie that raised me and right she was my mom and yeah she's gone now too and she was young younger than needed to be yeah and of course my dad's mom Pearl she was 36 you know so i mean i don't know if uh, you know how much of that ties into where we're from and who we are or is it bad luck or is it cultural i mean that's one um well it's cultural one in the in terms of its recent culture in in the way that we respond to and deal with loss and trauma you know and by recent culture i mean we dealt with things destructively because that's all we knew. Yes. You know, when you're traumatized and you, you know, and part of your culture is is wiped out to the point where you don't think of things long term, you just don't imagine what they're, they're what it's like to, for, to have a tomorrow. So therefore, mm-hmm. you don't plan for one. And and I'm just not saying you. Yeah. I'm just no, using yeah. the phrase you in general. 
including myself, like, oh yeah, here's another loss. Now my my heart is hurt and my soul is kind of, I, you know, wounded. It's crushed. You know, it's wounded, yeah. And there, there is definitely research to be done as far as wounded spirits. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like this is another case of what this Andre is dealing with, too. A wounded spirit. But yeah, yeah how do we deal with it? Destructively. Yeah. It's too easy to medicate and drink ourselves to death when we don't feel like there is a tomorrow to live for. And so that's how we traditionally, meaning recently traditionally, respond to trauma. Traditionally, 200, 300, 500 years ago, you know, a thousand years ago, traditionally what we do, we do healing ceremonies, right. not hurt ourselves. So that's the long answer to your short question. Right. Sorry, Gino. No. No, yeah, so that's going to be... went on a tangent there, but that's 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 where my mind goes because that's the experience I'm working off of. Well, I mean, but you're right because I think that's what we all saw each other doing when we all went through our various losses. You know, like, I mean, we just saw each other just trying to like you said, kind of destroy ourselves and try to drink ourselves to death. And what I found out a couple years ago uh, is how hard that actually is to do. I mean, I was yeah, drinking... Yeah, the romantic like, notion in the movies, you can drink yourself to death. Yeah, no. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and I think what's hard too, you know, and all we could really do is try and support each other and, you know, trying to tell us not to do what we're doing is not really going to get you anywhere that just we'll probably just do it in private uh but yeah i mean we all kind of had to watch each other go through that and just be as supportive as we could in that period but yeah it was not it you know here's what i found about grief this is what somebody told me and we'll get back to the two-spirit thing soon i promise um so if you imagine a box with a ball in it and on one side of the box is a button and the ball is big and so this is a picture of grief and so when the ball is bouncing around this box and it's huge it keeps hitting that button and that's the pain and that's the pain I mean it's just frequent and sometimes it'll mash up against the button but as time goes on the ball gets smaller and smaller so it doesn't hit the button as often it doesn't hit it as hard um and so the pain is not as frequent and it's not as jarring well actually it's probably more jarring because you don't see it coming but it's still there you know my son's been gone three years and you know shit just reminds you of these people that you lost and it just it does it kind of punches you in the gut or sometimes it's more like oh you remember that that was sweet and then it's more of a nostalgic it's still sad but it's not the kind of knee buckling pain that you had been through in the past um have when you had it's any... an immediate loss yeah yeah but it's the randomness that sneaks up on you and right. beats your ass every now and then so it, it, that's it's like it's like it's 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 painful no matter what and sometimes like you, like you're describing it's Sometimes it's it's good mm-hmm. memories, and other times it still reminds you of the devastation itself. Yeah. Well, and I have a new son now, and my new son does stuff that my first son does, and that's definitely bittersweet. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, you know, that's so funny and so sweet. And, but then I go, oh, I remember my first kid did that. And then you go, oh. But I, I have to, in my mind, I, I feel like it's, uh, well, they're brothers. And I think before Che arrived, I think Bams was giving them some cues, you know, as spirit babies. And um, mm-hmm. especially, I don't know if I ever told you this. Um, so Bams died on October 2nd um, when Laura went into labor she went into the hospital on September 27th, I think it was, or 28th. I don't remember the exact date. Mm -hmm. But when she went into the hospital that day, that was the same day that 
Bams went into the hospital for the very last time. Wow. And, uh, you know, he came a couple of days before what would have been the day Bams died. But those two things being happening on the same day yeah, really tripped me up. And uh, I didn't know what to make of it. I just knew how emotional it was uh, <laughs> to be in a different hospital with different circumstances but them being so closely related so saying goodbye to one son and having another one come like it mm. was uh, excuse my language it was a mind fuck yeah. to say the least but, well sounds like you're, they're certainly describing a spiritual experience that we know as natives continually and over and over but it's a good thing in a good way though because uh, you know the creator God just somehow manages to take care of us as spirits you know um, so one of the things that I can offer as far as it's this is I'm just talking from what I know okay I'm not just I'm not repeating something that's that's uh, been told to me and I thought oh that's a great idea you know that really makes me happy to be a native it's like no this is this is something that just is okay folks and that's god reminds you that he you know to use a for lack of better pronoun exists okay and and what you just described was that and when we know uh, what we know as natives that you know why why we we kind of cherish babies the way we do is because they just came from the spirit world they just came from there yeah and so they're actually closer to the creator and they're closer to the spirit world than we are because they just came from there mm -hmm. so uh and i've had notions of this so if a baby smiles at you that's just like god loving you himself and so that's what we get that's and so when you're conscious of it and, and a baby smiles at you it's pretty it's pretty neat because yeah. you, at least you get reminded it's like yeah you're you're being thought of right now yeah by the big one you know yeah <laughs> and so so that part we can take with us and uh it's it's a beautiful thing totally um the other thing is 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 uh because we're who we are you know we're we've been on this earth and we're not that close to the spirit world like babies are so that's that's the difference right and then to have your experience where they they came and went yeah and another one arrived from there that's that's beautiful but it also kind of messes with you right. for sure all i could i mean what it just seemed like to me um and I don't know, there's no way of knowing if this is what actually happened, but what it felt like to me was those two boys having a connection in that spirit world and Bam's kind of giving them a nudge, like, it's time. Because he was three weeks early, you know. Um, he should have been born, you know, the middle of October, but uh, or late October. But that's that's what it felt like to me, like, uh, like <clears throat> it was just time mm -hmm. and Bams let him know like he's a good guy good dad like now yeah so that's uh, that's how I see it and that's what I believe well now that we're uh <laughs> I got myself all worked up here <laughs> on a little sidetrack. So uh, the other, uh, so we were gonna talk about Darcel XV. Does he go? Is it Darcel 15. Fifteen. That's what I thought. I didn't know if you pronounced the letters or read them, but Darcel yes. Fifteen. And if you don't know who Darcel is, Darcel Fifteen. It's the formerly Walter Cole. She's a drag queen here in Portland. And is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's oldest drag queen. Who I think, I think she's 86 now. 
crazy. Um, actually going to be 89, 89 in November. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm I just, just I just found that the other day because they were talking about having Darcel's birthday party, not at the club this year, but over at Chinook Winds in Newport. Oh, at the casino? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> or the hotel, at least, over there, yeah. So, yeah, so Darcel has a, kind of a bar in downtown Portland, or a club, I guess you could call it. And she runs that full time. Yeah, Dry That's... Queen Cabaret Club, and Darcel is kind of like a a regional cultural icon, you know. Not mm-hmm. used to be more more like a Portland thing, but I mean, Darcel is known pretty far and wide as far as who he is, who she is, you know, because Darcel is the stage name. Fifteen and stands for the fifteenth Empress of Portland back in. I don't know what year that was, 70-something. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I'm 50 years old, and uh, how I come to know Darcel was uh, our cousin, uh, Jerry, used to do Tina Turner impersonations for Darcel at Darcel's <laughs> Club, and Darcel and, and my cousin Jerry, we call him Tina also, started out along with Darcel and his partner Roxy back in the was it 67 68 I don't know a long time ago mm-hmm. uh, so uh, and and my cousin Tina is from our like your dad and my mom's generation yeah so that's so my mom and Tina were first cousins and your dad as well and so that's how we came to be part of Darcell's family yeah <laughs> through, so through cousin year, Jerry what year was that I think 67 is when they first started out and they were kind of up and rolling by 70. 67, wow. Yeah, uh, as far as having a club down there on uh, Northwest 3rd. 3rd and Everett. It's like, yeah, so... And so what was the, the, the thing she did just here recently at the convention center? That's what that's why you're in town. What's the big event that she oh, does yeah. there? The, the event is the La Femme Magnifique is the... Drag Queen Beauty Pageant contest that Darcel's been putting on for years since the '80s, and uh, yeah, so I I've been I just come up and help put up the the sets. We used to put up the stages and sets and lighting, but now that it's at the convention center, it's a whole lot simpler. So so yeah, but come up, help put up some of the sets, and then. Uh, check out the show but Darcel's been putting this 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 beauty pageant on and drag queens come and compete and it's just one of those other cultural events that we get to be part of <laughs> how long has uh, she been doing it at the convention center I mean that's kind of a big deal uh, that, that you're talking about money and yeah yeah uh, you know reservations all that maybe the past 10 years I think I'm I'm not sure how many yeah. how many uh, contestants do you think show up for that? If you had um, ballpark, last it? night they had eleven. Yeah, and each each contestant is got to do the the black and white theme, the 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 theme wear, and talent competition, and it's just like a beauty pageant contest mm-hmm. except there's no swimsuit. Instead, they have showgirl, which entails like you know feathers for days so <laughs> so that's kind of a trip this is cool to know darcel was the grand marshal of portland's rose festival starlight parade in 2010 and received the city's spirit of portland award that's pretty cool that portland is sort of that uh i don't know modern or accepting that they would have a, a drag queen as the grand marshal yeah. That's really cool. Um, I think Portland and Darcel is, are kind of fairly synonymous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you go into Google and put in Darcel, she's pretty much the first thing that comes up. It says Darcel 15, and I think it says Darcel Portland, which refers to the, the club. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever read her book? I've, I've read portions of it, you know, and sad to say I actually have owned it for a while, but I... I I don't know. I just didn't seem to. Once I was reading the book, I realized that I just knew a, a whole bunch of what I was already reading. Right. So, so instead of read the book, I just you know spend my time 
hanging out with Darcel and the crew while I'm here. Yeah. Because they're they're another family that I have. It's right. Like a, so so when you talk about the native culture, Darcel has been involved in in and natives have been involved in the Darcel culture kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like a, the Northwest is a very culturally rich place. <laughs> yes, definitely. And so 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 Darcel's been you know involved with the 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 native culture here for years just because of our cousin uh jerry and then vice versa you know that's how i got involved with the 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 darcel cultures so so that's part of the the twin spirited thing was Mm -hmm. i've I've, I've known twin spirited people all of my life right and uh you know up to and including the ones that are from here in the portland area and yeah just i've been treated very wonderfully beautiful people well i said uh a little bit ago that idaho is pretty republican and old school and i think that's a good illustration of that is that portland named a drag queen the grand marshal and uh the governor of idaho is against gender reassignment surgery i i shouldn't say he's against that surgery he's against it in that particular case yeah, I, I well, won't. It's hard I won't. to say. Hard to speak for the governor. Right. Exactly. So, um, God, fun, a funny piece of irony, or just one piece that I do know is that Darcel's uh, partner Roxy, who passed um, almost a couple of years ago now, he, he's actually from Pocatello, Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So that's where Rock came from. What is uh? Is Jerry still around? Tina? No, no, Jerry passed, gosh, back in the latter 90s. About 99, I think he passed. Nope. Yeah, gone. Yeah. Another another one who had a lot of trauma early in life and and still still made something of himself, but but lived hard like mm-hmm. there was no tomorrow sometimes and just uh yeah, had some really bad diabetes in the end and Mm -hmm. didn't really take care of himself well that's too bad Uh, Klamath Indians really had a lot of a lot of diversity that came with us yes well and uh, I forgot to mention this you were on tribal council for quite a while how long was that I was on the, the tribal council for the Klamath tribes from 04 to 07. I actually ended up there because some friends and some family said, Hey, Garrick, they're having a, you know, elections come up. You should run for that. And, mm-hmm. You know, having really good ideas and good intentions at the time, thought, you know, that's not a bad idea. And yeah. It was really quite a learning experience, <laughs> including you know just learning things that are way out of the realm of what my professional training was. But it was a great, wonderful learning experience. But it was also, you know, in in terms of being an amateur politician, that's for the most part what I was. <laughs> oh, I think uh, that would be another good episode that, you know perhaps you me and pop and maybe uncle bill oh, yeah. uh, just doing a history of our tribe especially going back to things of like water rights and you know uh losing our status as a federally rec- <clears throat> federally recognized tribe and looking at the and i'm not overstating this the pretty devastating effects of losing um federal recognition that that had on our tribe Termination. Yeah, Correct. termination, yeah. right. Uh, I think that's uh, that's one that's not heard about often. And um, interestingly enough, I, um, having that happen, uh, the Klamath have been called sellouts by other tribes. I've mm-hmm. heard that term thrown around a lot. Um, but... That might be something for another time because there's a there's a lot to to cover on that one. But yeah. well, the U.S. Uh, Indian law and history, if, you know, for anybody that wants to get into that, and 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 if if uh, injustice really gets your 
your your hackles up, then then that's a really good match. Yeah, <laughs> okay. absolutely. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's 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 a lot of territory to be covered in the, in that. And as far as your podcast, I mean, it, the the invitation. If I were you, I'd extend it to a lot of anybody that served on any tribal council, you know, Klamath tribes or otherwise. But yeah, the 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 work that has been done and to be done in terms of the relationship with tribes and and the United States is pretty vast. And complex. Yes. So for anybody that's that's done that work. I mean, I'm a social worker, and I thought I knew stuff, and, you know. Well, I guess with anybody that's a professional, you know, you, when you work within your lane, you know a, a decent extent of information, but when you, when you venture out and try to acquire skill, knowledge in other areas it's it, it really does challenge you for the better yeah mind you but yeah I don't know where I was going with that Gino well you gotta redirect me man yeah sorry <laughs> I got I got too engrossed in what you were saying that well uh, I think this has been pretty good thanks for coming on yeah you're doing this welcome. with me um, thank you for the invitation Garrick's got to hit the road back to Klamath Falls. How far is that? Three and a half hours? Uh, 300 miles. 300 miles. A little over five. What about five hour drive? Five hours. It's a beautiful, beautiful drive. Oh, yeah. Oregon is is an amazing place. Yes, yes. There is some beautiful terrain to be seen on that drive. Uh, Okay, well, that wraps it up for this week. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe or whatever you're supposed to do so that I can make money off of this. Garrick, thanks very much. Certainly. See you next time.